Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche right. Podcast, Free Skate Friday. I'm your Sorry, host, Rudo, joined by AJ and Evan <laughs> Rowell, of course. It's a Friday. <laughs> Come on. It's sponsored by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. My go-to shop for Breckenridge Brewery is I've got a Breck lager here. And just the way this Friday has been going, oh my. it's time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo. As Evan sips his daintily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome into the show. Hopefully, Atesh Murat will be joining us to talk Winnipeg Jets in a little bit. But first, before we get into that. Murat Atesh, yeah. well, I, I was bound to get something wrong. For the for the record, Rudo is now three beers. Yeah. In. So, <laughs> all right. If you haven't watched the DNBA show from today, uh, go watch that, and you'll understand why I'm struggling with this show. <laughs> Uh, but either way, we're jumping in and we're going to start with training camp talk for the abs as I'm going to do to you guys what we usually do to our guests. Based on training camp, as both of you have had eyes on, give yeah. me the most underrated training camp av and the most overrated. Buh. Jeez, an overrated training camp have. Um, I know, I know, we're really pushing it with four whole days of training camp having happened, but yeah, and like one scrimmage and like one day of like serious. What you're saying is these takes are final, and there's no yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no moving <laughs> off of it ever again. Yeah. Um, do you have one? Uh, well, I was gonna say for underrated, I like Jacob McDonald. I think he's looked good, and he looked good in the scrimmage yesterday. And he showed, he showed the versatility. I know he played a little bit of forward with the Eagles, but uh, just his ability to do that makes me think he's going to end up going with the team to Edmonton. So I've liked his camp from what I've seen so far. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I would say overrated, just because we're expecting so much out of him, but nothing's really happened with Bowen Byram yet. Yeah. Like there's, you know, there, there were, I I know that you wrote in your piece yesterday, Evan, that there were some moments during the scrimmage, but overall it's really not been the, there's really not been a whole lot. Um, Yeah, I would, would. he's not, it's the, the big flashes aren't showing up where you're like, Oh my gosh, they have to take this guy. Yeah. That kill McCarr factor. So no. Yeah, yeah I I would agree with that too. He's he jumped he showed a little bit more offensively in terms of being aggressive, but he still completely lost someone behind him for a breakaway. He's he's not yeah he's not flashing in any way. Um, I mean maybe he's you know he is still nineteen. He's just you know still learning on the job. But yeah, there just haven't been any flashes, and hoping to see a little bit more. But ultimately, probably not a huge deal. It's just you know. I, I, based on what I've seen, I wouldn't necessarily say he should go to Edmonton, but still a whole week to go. Yeah, and look, the conversations are going to be tough at times when it comes to who gets to go to Edmonton, because realistically, you're talking about 18th forward, 9th, 10th defenseman type guys here. So there's a good chance the guy who just misses wasn't going to play anyway. 
So I actually disagree with this comment from from Uruboros here in our in our chat here. Um, he says Byram got so screwed by Makar just popping off to start his career. I don't think he did. You remember, I mean, you remember Makar? There were two full years, right? But and we saw we saw Makar at at a dev camp. You know, obviously the second dev camp didn't have to happen because he'd already been in the playoffs by that point, but. Like there, uh, I, I was there for Makar's first dev camp, and it was underwhelming. It was, it was very blah until he showed those flashes where you were like, "Holy, okay, that's wow!" Because they when they got into a game situation, Makar immediately started doing things all over the ice, and it just it just looked different. It was very brief. Uh, it was the only thing that I was really, really excited about out of that first dev camp. And and uh, the second one, you know, he had the hamstring injury, so we didn't see all of him. And so really, Makar, it was Makar just wasn't like around. Now, you know, obviously, Makar had the great second season in uh, at UMass. But like Byram's year at uh, with the Giants is nothing, nothing to sneeze at. He was awesome for them in the WHL. And you could make a you could make a cogent argument that WHL is a higher level of competition than the NCAA. It's different, but I you know the skill level and such. I you could easily make the argument that it's just better. And you know Makar's year second the second year at UMass is obviously special, but I I I don't think anybody's holding Byram to the Makar standard. Everybody understands that what Makar did was special. Certainly none of us are, um, but you know. Random random guy online might, but that guy's irrelevant. Um, you know, with Byram, the hammer down. All right. I mean, well, straight up, like it's just it's it's a dumb thing to do. It's not fair. Everybody develops differently, and like what Makar's done has been historic. And to 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 try and hold Bo and Byram to that is really really unfair. But at the same time, you expect Byram to pop at some point. Like, I'm not going in asking him to dominate these scrimmages or look like he's the best player on the Avs. They're too good of a team for that. But the fact that there hasn't been anything from Byram that really got me excited, like, there have been little moments. There have been there have been things that he's done that have been, he's made nice plays. You know, he there was some good stick work on day one. Uh, there was some, some good defense. There was, he stripped, uh, I don't remember who it was anymore, but he stripped somebody of the puck, but then immediately lost that guy and gave up a scoring chance in front of his own net. And so it's like for every good, there's a bad, but then not for every bad, there hasn't been a good. Sure. So it's just not quite been there for him yet. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, nobody expected him. I think that was my hot take that he might get in one of them, but. Nobody was expecting him to jump into these playoffs, really. I mean, this is more to get him on the ice with these guys. The flip side of that conversation, if you're looking for a positive, is Connor Timmons has been excellent day in and day out at this training camp. So if you're looking for someone to make the team, and and I believe one of you, if not both of you, said, look, this guy should be the seventh or eighth D, not just the last D on the lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, the Avs are going to, at le- at very minimum, you know that the first guy they'll turn to is Mark Barbario. Ex- as expected. He's, he's been, he's the, been the, the all year. Yeah, He's been this. That's literally why they're paying him. 
Uh, he's been the great guy in the room. He's bided his time. I think he's earned the opportunity to get first crack at 7D. Now, when you're in the postseason, you know, you don't have a lot of time to give. You have to show up and perform. There's no, like, adjusting and getting into rhythm and any of that nonsense. If Barb's, if Barb's gets into a game and can't handle it, Timmons needs to. Timmons should be the next guy off the bench. He's just outplayed Connaughton in, in so far in this camp. He just has. Yeah, and they they have that Barbario Connaughton pairing together in the scrimmage, and it was just pure chaos to watch. So, yeah, I think Timmons. I think you know, skill wise, and just play through this camp. He's been uh-huh. the, he he would be my first guy off the bench. We just know realistically that's probably not the case. That's just not how it works. Yeah. But he has done everything to earn it, and I, you can see the staff is, you know, they they like him. Tim, Bednar was – we can hear everything on the ice. Bednar was yeah. very, very vocal with his praise the other day. Yeah. I, and look, that's – this is what these training camps are for. They're providing – at least when it comes to guys like Connor Timmons and Bowen Byram, with the accelerated offseason, they're not going to get a rookie camp they're not going to get a rookie tournament. So this is just another opportunity for them to take a step in the right direction. And right now it seems like Connor Timmons is and Bowen Byram realistically has not. Yeah. Yeah. If you were, if you were making cuts right now, Bowen Byram is easily one of the D cuts. And then for me, it would either, I didn't see the scrimmage on Thursday. Um, So for me, it would still be McDonald over Lindholm because I want a defensive defenseman. You, they have a lot of puck moving options. I would uh-huh. like a guy if a Graves or a Zadorov goes down. I would like someone that that has a little more stay at home ability, um, as one of the four defensemen that they bring with them. Um, I think that's Lindholm's inside track to going. Uh-huh. But if McDonald's going to play that well, and again, I, not having seen the scrimmage, um, I would have no strong objection to taking McDonald over a Lindholm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at this with Byram as basically they, even if they don't take him, this they're treating this as his development camp for the summer where they can get their eyes on him, get some one-on-one coaching with him and just go from there. So, yeah, I could see Lindholm having that. The reason I – McDonald, I could see them saying, okay, we're going to keep you around and we're going to drop a forward just because we see some versatility. And if you're getting to the 18th forward, you're – you're kind of screwed anyway. So like you're really not expecting there to be a lot of upside there when you get into really like forwards, you know, 15, 16, 17, you're, you're surviving. Yeah. And I, I think I put it in my post yesterday that Kamenev just does not look good. And if, if another Joseph is obviously Joseph Nieto, whoever the for odd man out is, is going to be the first guy in. I could I think O'Connor would get in before Kamenev personally if it came down to it in the playoffs. I I think that would depend on the injury, center versus wing. You know, yeah. if it's that might be the only thing keeping Kamenev afloat. Mm-hmm. They even had him went wing in the pre, in the scrimmage yesterday. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think I would probably give Ellos. I mean, Ellos is just a O'Connor's just a, a better fit for this ads team. And realistically, for sure, yeah, yeah, and like as as much as like the flashes from Kamenev have been intriguing, they've been inconsistent, and like when he hasn't played well, he's been he's been really bad, and when O'Connor doesn't play well, doesn't make an impact, it's fine, like he gets by. 
you're not ever out there thinking, oh my God, what is going on with this guy? Yeah. So higher, uh, the higher floor at this point and, and the better fit goes to LOC. I would, I would start with him too. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he's a long-term have. Um, I think he's, I think he'll probably be in Colorado the next two or three years. It, he makes a lot of sense as that younger 13th ish forward type of player yeah. that you can have on the cheap. Yeah. It, just get him through his RFA years. And then if he gets, if he becomes a lineup regular at some point, he gets, a, he hits a UFA three, four years down the road. And then, um, you know, somebody wants to pay him $2 million a year or something can let them. Yeah. And I think AJ has talked about this too, but, we know they brought in Hutchinson to be the veteran, but boy, he has not looked good from Dude. what I've seen. Werner has looked a lot better. Has, I mean, day one, I was like, ah, Werner looks way better than Hutch, you know, whatever. But the as the week continued, it's remained true. Mm-hmm. Just looks, yeah. guy just looks better. Uh, but Werner's just, he just looks way better than than Hutch has at any point. All right. No argument there. We're going to take our first period break right about now, as it is, of course, time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery. I already chugged most of this one, but you can get the Breck Lager or any other Breckenridge Brew, whether it be the Avalanche Amber Ale, you name it. You got it. Strawberry Sky, the Mango Mosaic, it looks like. Or is that the Mountain Beach that Evan has right there? I get them confused all the time, but they have Dozens of beers you can try at your local Davidson's or down at the farmhouse down in Littleton. Get it right from the source, the official beer of DNVR Breckenridge Brewery. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast as we continue working through here. We'll jump into some games in a minute here, but let's let's finish up this uh, this training camp that's the word I'm struggling today training camp talk a little bit for the starting lineup thus far again it's been one week it's been four days of actual practice but Tyson Jost has been the 13th forward essentially every single day are we at the point now where the expectation is that's what they're going to go into Edmonton with the lineup looking like not, not me personally. Okay. Um, I think they'll rotate them. I think they're going to give uh, the exhibition game. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with that. They could do anything they want with it. But the the other three round robin games, I think they'll make a couple. They'll they'll make a couple of different lineups. Um, I don't think they're going to just lock in and say these are our 12 guys and we're only going to play these guys until we have to play somebody else. I think they'll I think Joe still get into probably two of the game between the exhibition and round robin. I think Joe still get into at least two of the games. I, I think yeah. I think it this is what they're leaning towards with the starting 12, but I don't think it's going to take much to get Joe in and I mean he was a regular all year. It's just they're in a unique situation here with everyone healthy at the moment. So I do yeah. think this is pretty set how they want to start it, but Bedner's not going to be afraid to adjust it. I just think they like that. The Nieto, Belmar, Calvert trio is just, that's like a coach's dream as a fourth line, I think. So that's what I think they want to start and go from there. 
the the thing that makes it tough, right, is obviously the abs are healthy, but what do you ultimately end up doing with Vlad Nemesnikov? Because he was playing extremely well before everything got shut down. And the Avs seem to have found themselves a little bit of something in the top six by moving Burakovsky up to the top line and working Landis Gog alongside Kadri and Achushkin. So if Nemesnikov is playing a bottom six role, it just makes everything that much tighter, I would say. But I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in what role. Uh, AJ and I have had this conversation before. Is it Belmar that maybe shouldn't be a lock for the lineup compared to Nieto? And at the end of the day, either way, you're moving a veteran out of the lineup, which is something we know many NHL teams are adverse to doing, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Belmar, another extremely experienced player on the Avs lineup, as they have a handful that have been to cup finals and the like. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one, ultimately. Uh I don't see any way they would take Belmar out of the lineup, personally. Unless he's hurt. I just think they they love what he brings. And, yeah, he, he's been a consistent thing at, at centering those bottom, that bottom six all year long. I, I think it would take something massive to take him out of the lineup. With Nemestikov, I think that, that line is such a wild card for this team because it's kind of a weird mix of, you know, skilled guys that you know can do a little bit of everything so they flashed a little bit during the scrimmage yesterday but um it's an interesting combination and you know i you know i'm kind of in the minority i don't love burakovsky on the top line just because they are they were a disaster defensively in that scrimmage yesterday and i think that's kind of an issue uh and domestikov i think would be a little bit of a better fit defensively there but burakovsky's just an elite sniper who can who finds a way to get open, and that's ultimately what I think they're looking for there. And yeah, I mean that would be a swap I would think about making if it needed to be. But uh, and then you have Nachushkin who can go all over the lineup, so they have options. Uh, Luke from Winnipeg asks: Is Peb a guy you look to moving in the off season? I don't really think so. One because I don't know how much value will be there, and two he's a great candidate to transition into a 13th forward role as he starts to age out of the league. Yeah. Like that's not a guy that they will have an extension conversation with. Um, Like I could see Calvert being a guy, his contract ends at the end of next season. They talk about bringing him back. That would make sense. But with Belmar, um, I mean, they've got, if if they go out and they add anybody um, from the outside, then Great, but then they also have Bowers and Cout, who Cout would be here and would be pushing for time. Uh, we're talk- we've talked about O'Connor already. Like They've got young forwards who are ready to transition to the NHL full-time. So I think uh, if, a team, if a team rolled up and was like, hey, we'll give you a third-round pick for Belmar, then I think Colorado should strongly consider that. But in, in light of that happening... Uh, he's he's the perfect guy to buoy a fourth line if you have an injury. Um, and if if you're still waiting for a young kid to come in and, and prove it and take the job and actually, like, knock down that door, 
he's a he's still a good a, a good barometer for hey you have to beat this guy out all right well as i realized i forgot to share my audio and you all sat in silence for the intro <laughs> yep we're gonna try <laughs> that's, this. Why, that's why we came into the show and evan and i were like yeah, I was like, why are they giggling so much? Like, what is happening? I didn't share my audio, but I will share my audio for the next segment of Power Rankings. As it's time now to get into, we're going to actually mix two segments together here. So not only is it Power Rankings, but we're going to get back to strange hockey movies as well. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys five movies that are hockey related, and I'm going to need you to rank them from highest to lowest on IMDb score rating. The score rating is one to 10 stars on IMDb. Your movies are, and you can ask for these again and ask for descriptions as you need as, as you guys sort this out. First, we have a wrath of grapes, the Don cherry story two. Second, two, two, <laughs> correct. Second, we have the original Goon. Third, we have Slapshot 3, the Junior League. Fourth, we have Miracle. And fifth, we have Puck Hogs. Is this IMDb critics or users? What are we... This is IMDb star rating. To be honest, I don't know if that's critics. I assume it's users. Yeah, it's users. And so we have to rank them by what we think rank they are? Rank them what you think they're rated 1 to 5, highest to lowest. Um, I, would, I would hope Miracle's first. Yeah. It's going to be Miracle or Goon, I would think. I would hope it's Miracle first, although I don't know what Puck Hogs is. So. <laughs> Puck Hogs follows a men's recreational hockey team, the Puck Hogs, through a brutally hilarious weekend tournament in the tradition of the cult classic, This is Spinal Tap. So yeah. I hope Miracle is at the top. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, let's just go ahead and here is uh, the first one. Your, Don Cherry, your image for for Puck Hogs. Oh, it's not what I was expecting. <laughs> the first one was Wrath of Grapes, the Don Cherry story two. See, he's really worthy of a sequel. Yeah, like, right. He came back. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Miracle, Goon, uh, Slapshot Three, Don Cherry, and then Puck Hogs. Okay, I'm Evan? gonna go. Miracle, Goon, Don Cherry sequel, Puck Hogs, and then Slapshot Three last because I saw Slapshot Two a long time ago with one of the Baldwin brothers, and it was so bad. So I'm going to assume three is even worse. Okay. So the highest rated of these per users Don't do this to is us. Wrath of Grapes. No. <laughs> the Don Cherry Story 2 rated at 7.8 stars. 7.8 is the highest of these? Correct. Dude, that's a joke. I'm sorry, but even if you don't like Miracle that much, it's way better than 7.8. 
If it's any saving what grace, Miracle was second place with a 7.5. It's not. <laughs> is uh, this like a documentary or what is it? It is <laughs> Wrath of Grapes, the Don Cherry story to two-part miniseries on Don Cherry following his days in the AHL coaching and his most known time spent on Hockey Night in Canada with Ron McLean. A good watch for any hockey fan or just a fan of a good documentary. <laughs> so it just skips over the Rockies. That's cool. So it would seem fine. There is a do- there. The first one is called "Keep Your Head Up, Kid," the Don Cherry story, which is also rated seven point eight. By the way, uh, uh, it's because it's, it's a Canadian thing, and it's all only Canadians have seen it, and they're going to rate it really high. <laughs> this is rigged. Miracle was second with seven point five. Goon was third with a six point eight. Excuse me. Slapshot three. The Junior League was fourth with a four point one, and then Puck Hogs was fifth with a three point nine. So, pretty pretty brutal in that regard. Uh, there are after that, movies after that rating of Miracle, though. I'm wondering if Puck Hogs isn't actually like the greatest movie ever. Now. <laughs> it's actually hilarious. Let's see. This is by list order. Let's see if we can do it by IMDb. What's the highest rated movie of all time? <laughs> of course. Of course, it's nothing anyone would know. The highest rated hockey movie on IMDb is called Gold Rush. It's from 2002, a behind the scenes look at the creation of the Canadian Olympic hockey team and their quest for a gold medal. All right, that actually sounds decent. I'm not going to lie. Probably yeah. not the highest rated ever, but <laughs> decent. It sounds like a documentary, which I feel like I feel like those need to be their own list. Documentaries and and non-documentaries, <laughs> like just just regular movies. So I, on, I I don't like the idea that they would get put in a list together. They're so different. On the low side, first of all, there is a movie called The Idol of Crowds, which appears to be in a foreign language. I don't know what language it is. Uh, Something either Indian or Middle Eastern. I'm sorry. I don't know. I I don't know how to read those languages. So (laughs) I'm an ignorant American. My bad. It shows a picture of a woman here. I'll just, I'll just put the picture up (laughs) because I have no idea what this is. Uh, That is an, the lowest rated movie as it's unrated on IMDb, but included in the hockey movie section. Dope. And the actual lowest rated movie with a rating is called the last big save rated at a 3.4, a professional hockey player who is happy only when he is miserable, signs a long-term contract that covers his entire career only to ruin it in the first year due to substance abuse and alcoholism. He rides his good luck in the final month of the final year of his contract when he gets a last chance at redemption in the seventh game of the finals. So all I'm saying is if you are making a movie out there, there is space in the hockey genre. <laughs> you can you can do it. I believe in your filmmaking abilities out there. <laughs> what uh just out of curiosity, what's the highest rated? movie on imdb on all of imdb let's yeah i I assume we can find out is it still shawshank uh how do you search by only 
movies. Oh, maybe I, I shouldn't have asked. I I I'm not smart enough at this uh this machine to know how to how to rate. I probably can just Google it. Let's find okay. out. Okay. Let's, let's movie rating on IMDb. Let's move on to trivia. Okay. All right. Fine. It is still Shawshank with a nine point two, okay. barely beating out The Godfather for the record. Say, it's always it's always one of those two. All right. Anyway, as we're clearly off the rails at this point. Time to take our second period break here and let you guys know all about our favorite WGT golf. There will be another tournament this weekend, I believe. I'm not sure if we have it named yet, but the name of it at the end of the day is how to beat all of the DNVR abs people at golf, basically. So head on over to dnvrgolf.com to download the game and search for DNVR2 to get into our second clubhouse. There's only a couple of spots left, so be sure to get in before we have to create DNVR3 or if you want a fresh clubhouse to rain over, wait for DNVR3 and jump in on that. A bunch of true-to-life courses and other amazing stuff that you can play with real clubs, real courses, real people all across the bottom. You can even play the Top Golf Challenge where you try to hit it closest to the hole off of the Top Golf field. I don't know what arena. I guess you'd call it an arena. DNVRGolf.com again one more time to download and of course if you don't know we do cover the colorado raptors and american rugby as well as rugby is now home here in colorado with the united states national team practicing over here at infinity park reporter colton stricter is keeping you up to date on all things american rugby with the dnvr rugby podcast and you can find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage be sure to jump in on all of his podcasts even if you don't know rugby he can give you the 101 breakdowns on some of the basics as well as tell you about all the awesome upcoming stuff because america's actually kind of okay at rugby which i didn't know they're definitely not the best in the world or anything, but given that I didn't know anything about the sport a couple of months ago, I'm surprised how solid they actually are. So again, be sure to follow the DNVR rugby Twitter account and all of that and become part of the family. All right. Third period of the DNVR avalanche podcast, as we are going to be jumping into some trivia in a little bit here, just as soon as we get our guest on while we wait a little bit. AJ, Evan, what is your avalanche fun fact? Do you have an avalanche fun fact that most people won't know? A fun fact? You always uh, throw this on us without I, any that's, preparation. That's how you get the good answers, because you guys just have to say the first thing you think of instead of like having a prepped answer ready. It doesn't have to be that fun, I guess. Just something you think most people wouldn't know about the Colorado avalanche in general. This is all right. This is a bad idea. Yeah. I really don't know, man. I don't have, I don't have, a, I don't have like a, I, every time I come across a fun fact, I tweet out fun fact and then whatever it is. All right. You share all your fun facts. I see. Yeah. I don't how hoard them. Be. I don't have any. not non fun fact hoarders. Fine, then. I understand how it is. All right. How about this? What were the team names of your hockey teams growing up? Um, 
So one of my team names I actually came up with, and it was because I was in a stupid... It doesn't even make sense now that I'm thinking about it, but <laughs> I was a big wrestling fan back in the day. My favorite wrestler was The Edge. For So for some reason, I was like, why don't we just be The Edge? And that was our team name. It's a stupid name. Did you but... also name the arena that <laughs> nope. they built down there? <laughs> no, I didn't. We did win a championship that year, but <laughs> the name you know, made sense to a... I think I was 14 or 15 at the time. It doesn't make sense to me now. And then just stupid names like, I mean, I played for Foothills Flyers, the Rampage. I'm trying to think of any other decent names. And yeah, I ours were just um, we our our leagues always just took after NHL team names and wow. randomly assigned them. So, so boring, was, AJ. Yeah, so it, boring. It was. I was not happy about it. I played um, on a soccer team named the Hot Tigers. <laughs> we were we were the Blues like <laughs> Evan four played years for in some a row. Weird teams, so, yeah. And a baseball team named the Terminator. So I remember those ones because those leagues let you make fun That's names. Crazy. But yeah, hockey I, I teams just play. stick with hockey names. I played yeah. against a baseball team a lot named the Dirtbags, which was fantastic. But. <laughs> Famous, famous college baseball program. It's Long Beach State. Yep. They're pigs. So, anyway, we have our guest on. Joining us for the second time. Looking for a little bit of redemption. Not in the car. This time, we have Joey Neeser. Is that correct this time? Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, it takes me about five tries before I figure it out. But I know you're looking for redemption, but I, I got to tell you, today's trivia is not going to be an easy one. So... Well, if, Steve, I do, if I do better than two, it's redemption for me. That, that, I mean, if you do better than two, you might be leading the pack. I think oh, I'm whole. still leading. <laughs> <laughs> it's not been it's not been an easy road, but for starters, name both players that have played for the Avs with an origin country of Latvia. Yeah, I'm not figuring this one out. <laughs> so, say this I know one. Mm-hmm. I think I one. the other one. Scratched it? Correct. Uh, yeah. He was he was Latvian, really. Yep. For some reason, I thought Sandus was Czech. Nope. Latvian. He, he was Latvian, and I remember this because he played for their Olympic team when he was, like, 40. Because they just oh, yeah. didn't have anyone else. And at, at like 40 years of age, Sandus Ozelins is like the most ripped human being on the planet still somehow. It's gonna be, that's going to be Yager in 2022. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like 50. <laughs> it's true. If Yager, if Yager wants to play, he's going to play. <laughs> I mean, we went through that Olympic team the other day, and it's like, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Kick, kick one of those guys off. All right. Question number two. Who is the least effective player to play from the Avalanche to play for the Avalanche with a home country of Sweden? Minimum 20 games. I was going to say Genin until you said Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the, I like where your head is at. <laughs> what does answer, least but... effective mean? Yeah. What does that mean? At uh, least amount of points. Minimum 20 games. Swedish nationality. Lindholm played 20? He has. That's my answer. 
you might get half points because he's the second best and no one will guess the worst. The Lindholm was the second worst with five points in 66 games. Uh, worst oh, him is a player who played 37 games for the Avalanche in 2008-2009. He also spent time in Atlanta, Minnesota, and Edmonton in his career. He retired from the National Hockey League after his time in Colorado. And he was Swedish? He was Swedish. And he was on the 08 09 team, sort of. Correct. <laughs> sort of. So, how many points did he have in 37 games? Four points, two goals. Was he a forward or? He is a left wing. Wow, so he was bad. No, nope, sorry. That's wrong. He shoots left. He's a defenseman. Oh. I feel like he should get the uh, W. Lindholm's got a worse point per game. He wore number 29. This is not helping me. I really <laughs> I really have no idea. No, one, no one's going to know this answer unless they looked it up. So it is not Patrick Nemeth chat. Uh, yeah, Patrick Nemeth scored a blanking. handful Five, of Five, four, three, I don't know the name. two, one. Daniel Tarnquist. Oh. oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, I remember him too. He was real bad. I feel like that's a guy where you hear his name and then you say, "Yeah, I remember him." <laughs> I remember the name, not the player. Yeah. Yeah. He was I feel so like bad. he should get the point though, because technically Lindholm's point per games. That's true. I'll give, you, I'll give him a point for the the point per game correct answer with five points in sixty six games. Third yeah, what is question. that? What is that point per game? Uh, let's see. Lindholm's point per game is 0. 0.08. Tarnquist was 0. 0.11. It's worse than my men's league. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty rough. Lindholm, of course, zero goals in 66 games as well. Only five assists. But question number three, which Av has the most points in a game that resulted in a tie? Can I get a year? Uh, I mean, you can get a stretch <laughs> of years. <laughs> so it's happened more than once? Well, what, uh, over the course of his career with the Avalanche, the most points in tie games. Uh, he played with the Avalanche in the 90s and early 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s. You're talking about a single game? No, I'm talking about oh, as many points as possible in tie games. Is this name what spelled is... wrong on the cup? I don't know. What a random I would, stat. How do you even find on, this? Based on his name, I would assume his name is not spelled wrong on the cup. So it's not Dead Marsh. It is not Dead Marsh. Still practicing it... if they spelled his name wrong. Is it Tangay? Tenge is the second highest with seven points. I'm confused by this stat. I am too. <laughs> seven points in tie games? Uh, so this, player, this player played in ten games with the Avalanche that ultimately resulted in a tie. 
and he is the highest scoring player in games with the Avalanche that ended in a tie with eight points. Is his number in the rafters? No. It's an easy name to spell. Um, I mean, should I give you guys a clue that will give it away immediately? Well, I was, no. I was yes. trying to avoid that. Yes, because we need to get out of here. I'm thinking it's the guy that got traded to Calgary. Uh, he did get traded. Everybody got traded back in the day. He uh, he did get traded to Calgary, so. Evan is probably correct. He is known for being quite clutch. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Chris Jury. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact, Chris Jury. Um, okay. I was about Next, to say Daniel Jones. It is not Daniel Jones. <laughs> One more question here. Can you name, we'll stick with Sweden, the player with the third most goals on the abs from Sweden. So it's not Peter. Correct. And it's not Gabe. Correct. It's Peter and Gabe one, two. Yep. Daniel Charnquist. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally just about to say that too. He played for the Avs far recently than you're probably thinking. Who else was from Sweden? Is it Soderberg? Carl Soderberg. It is Carl (laughs) Soderberg. Yes. Carl Soderberg was the second most. And now the question that literally none of you will ever know. The final boss, as it were. Nate Gannon. No. (laughs) Which Avs player, as a rookie played in 19 road games and scored in none of them. And there are two correct answers. I will give you credit if you come up with either. So rookie. So a rookie who played in 19 road <laughs> games and scored zero points. Uh, Is it any of them or any of them like bigger names that we would know? You will recognize one of the names, but I wouldn't call it a bigger name. Tyson Ghost? It's not Tyson Jost. <laughs> the way it cut out, suddenly he's called Tyson Ghost. Oh, I did. I think, oh, said, okay. yeah, I think that's exactly what he said. Uh, <laughs> the, one, the one you won't know is Sammy Hellenius. Wow. Okay. The uh, other one you, you'll know. Is it Wolski? It is not Wolski. Before Wolski. Oh, wow. Uh, Skula. It's not Skula either. Wouldn't be Spados, would it? Nope. No, he had an awesome rookie year. That's yep. what I remember, so I just didn't yeah. think if he might have just gone to a lull or not. The Stewart. Uh, it's not Stewart. Stewart. He went on to play for Calgary, Toronto, Florida, and Nashville. Brandon Yep. Nope, not Brandon Yep. Playing in the KHL now. Uh, let's see. Calgary, Toronto, and Nashville. Yep. What the? He was six foot five, uh, 220 pounds, much more of a fighter than a hockey player. Scott Parker? 
No. It's 2.30, so your time is up. The correct <laughs> answer McLeod. is not Cody McLeod, but Wade Belak. Oh. 19 road games, zero points. Had to rush through that one a little bit. Joey, thank you for coming on once again. I believe you're up to two sticker packs now as we start the, the sticker pack to shirt conversion. Never received the first one. I don't know if it got lost in the mail or whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll get you your no first worries. one. No worries. Uh, either way, thank you once again for coming on, Joey. I think officially we'll give you two points again. As we got Carl Soderberg and Anton Lindholm as a technically correct on, on two of five difficult ones. But the DSP, Denver Sports Podcast, coming right up. And AJ's got to jump off. So we are out of your hair real quick today. Thank you again, everyone. And we will see y'all on Monday at the latest. Thank <laughs> you.